Hello, and welcome to Lessons with Dad. As always, I am here with my daughter, Ruthie. Hi. And today we are covering Mindset, part three of Carol Dweck's book, Mindset. And we're going to be talking about the danger of praise and positive labels. So Ruthie, do you think giving praise to your children is a good thing? Sometimes. Sometimes it is. That's right. And is all praise good? No. Well, you're smarter than me. <laughs> so I will tell you, for parents listening to this today, wow, this part of her book hit me right between the eyes. I realized I was doing some things wrong, very, very wrong in the way that I was praising my children. And I realized it happens to me at home, at work, and you know, with my relationship with my wife. Uh, and so there are times when I think, or all of us probably think, we are doing the right thing by giving praise to those people that we love, but unknowingly, uh, we have unintended consequences and we're putting them into the fixed mindset. And we'll find it's easier than we think to put our children, friends, coworkers, the people we're around into the fixed mindset. And kids are especially susceptible and they're very good at picking up on the cues from this. And so, Ruthie, this, this experiment here is a great example of the power of our words and the messages we are sending to our children. So Dr. Dweck and her team conducted experiments with hundreds of children, and most of these were early adolescents. And so listen to this. The researchers gave each student a set of 10 fairly difficult problems. All right, everybody got the same problems. And most of the people did, did very well on these. And when they were done, the researchers praised them and they broke them into two groups and how they delivered the praise. So some were praised for their ability. And here's how the praise went. Wow, you got eight right. That's a really good score. You must be smart at this. Ruthie, which mindset do you think that put them in? And why did, why did that put them in the fixed mindset? Because it makes them think that um, them being smart is just like their talent that they just were born with. That's exactly right. They've got something that other people don't. That's, that's a really good answer. So these people, because you must be smart at this, put them in the fixed mindset. Let's listen to what the other... <coughs> How the other children were praised. They were praised for their effort. Almost the, all the same at the beginning. It says, wow, you got eight right. That's a really good score. You must have worked really hard. And which mindset does that put them in? Growth. And why did that put them in the growth mindset? Because they teaches them that they have to work hard to do good. That's exactly right. And look at how simple. That's just one sentence. And that one sentence, we're going to see as they go on through this experiment and how they responded to how they did on that one little test of 10 problems had a significant effect from here on out. So both groups were exactly equal to begin with, but right after the praise, they began to differ. So the ability praise pushed students into the fixed mindset and, show, and they showed all the signs of it. They rejected challenging new tasks when they were asked if they wanted it, to learn from them. They didn't want to do anything that could expose their flaws and call into question 
something they had, right? They had loss aversion. They didn't want to lose the special talent that people thought that they had. The effort praised children push students into the growth mindset. 90% of them, Ruthie, wanted to try challenging new tasks they could learn from when, when given the opportunity. So pretty stark difference. But then the experiment continues. All the students were then given some very hard, not given a choice. They all said, hey, here's another set of 10 problems that were extremely hard and no one did very well on those. But the ability kids with the fixed mindset, how do you think they personally took their poor performance, Ruthie? How do you think that made them feel about themselves? They thought they were dumb. Mm, That's exactly how they felt. They felt that their failure on those, because of the fixed mindset that we're in, was a direct reflection of themselves. And they didn't think it was fun anymore. Their special talent, and who would if your special talent was in jeopardy? And what's interesting is after they went back, after that portion, and they had done poorly, even when they were given easy problems again, their performance plummeted. So from there on out, they did not do as well, even on the easy problems they were given the chance to do. Effort kids, on the other hand, kids in the growth mindset, Ruthie, how do you think when they found out that they did poorly on the really difficult problems, how do you think they felt about themselves? They thought that it was good that they failed because they can learn from it. Yeah. And so again, they probably weren't super excited they failed, but they didn't take that as a direct reflection of themselves. They didn't think it reflected on them. They just thought, man, those were hard problems. I can probably learn, like you said, they can learn from them. They uh, probably needed to apply more effort or a different strategy. And they didn't think that their performance reflected on their intellect. So they continued to enjoy the experience. And guess what? When they were given more problems, easy ones or difficult, their performance continued to improve they utilize the hard problems to sharpen their skills. Now, here comes something that still is just hard to believe. So at the end of the experiment, Ruthie, after all that's done, the researchers told the students, hey, we're going to do this experiment at other schools, and we would like you to write uh, your thoughts about what happened to these other students. And so they had a little section, they write, wrote it. And then at the very end, they said, hey, please uh, write the scores that you received on the different tests at the bottom here. And would you believe that 40% of the ability praised, those people that were in the fixed mindset, lied about their scores and always in one direction, right? They didn't lie that they did poor. They lied that they did better. And in the fixed mindset, we see that imperfections are shameful, especially if you're talented. So they lied them away. And it's alarming. I mean, these researchers took ordinary children and got them to lie simply by telling them they were smart. And so that has huge implications. So what we say when we tell our kids they're smarter, they're talented, uh, has a profound effect on their performance. And it really hit me hard. So, you know, the question is, do we label or categorize our children? This one's the artist. This one's the scientist. Um, this one's smart. This one's athletic. 
this can be harmful and we don't even realize it. And, and I'm just telling you, I'm a huge culprit of this myself, Ruthie. I really have had since reading this book to change the way I think about this and the way I talk to you and, and your sisters and your mom. So where do mindsets come from? And obviously as parents, we want the best for our children. We'll do almost anything to help them succeed. But yet many of the things we're doing that I'm doing or was doing send the wrong message. So Dr. Carol Dweck, and this is, this is interesting. This is a little story here, uh, Ruthie. She recounts a story from Haim Gano about a boy. His name was Bruce, who's five years old, and went with his mom to his new kindergarten class. When they arrived, Bruce looked up at the paintings on the wall, and, she, and he said, who made those ugly pictures? And his mom rushed to correct him. It's, it's not nice to call pictures ugly when they're so pretty. But his teacher knew, his teacher knew exactly what he meant. And here, she said, you don't have to paint pretty pictures. You can paint mean pictures if you feel like it. Bruce gave her a big smile. She had answered her, his real question. What happens to a boy who doesn't paint well? You see, he really had a different question he was asking, and the kindergarten teacher was smart enough to realize that. Next, Bruce spotted a broken fire engine. He picked it up and asked, who broke the fire engine? Again, his mother rushed in, but the teacher understood and said, Toys are for playing. Sometimes, sometimes they got broken or get broken. It happens. Again, his, his real question was answered, Ruthie. What happens to boys who break toys? Bruce waved to his mom, was off to start his first day of school, and he realized this was not a place where he would be judged and labeled. And wow, that little story hit me because I think we all want teachers like that for our kids. And, and the, the real question from that is, how do we create a growth mindset environment in our house or wherever we, you know, at work, like that kindergarten teacher created for her young students in that class? We all want a growth mindset environment. So here's a couple things uh, that, that Carol has. Let's listen to the messages in the following examples from Carol Dweck's book, Mindset. Here's praise we might give. And then Ruthie, if you can say how this might be interpreted by a child. So I'll give what us, us as a parent and what I probably have said many times. You learn that so quickly. You're so smart. And here's what the, the child would hear. If you don't learn, if I don't learn something quickly, I'm not smart. Look at that drawing, honey. Is he the next Picasso or what? I shouldn't try drawing anything hard or they'll see I'm no Picasso. You're so brilliant. You got an A without even studying. I'd better not study or they won't think I'm brilliant. So these are the kinds of things I said before this book, but we're, as we're learning, uh, learning and beginning to understand the two mindsets, we know our kids hear that, that other message, right? So as parents and coaches, we have good intentions, but often the wrong result. And so Dr. Dweck says that after conducting many experiments with hundreds of children, she and her team had some of the clearest findings she'd ever seen. And here's what, here's the takeaway from all of these is praising children's innate talent harms their motivation and it harms their performance. So Dr. Dweck says, if we want to give our children a gift, 
the best thing we can do is teach them to love challenges, be intrigued by mistakes, enjoy effort, seek new strategies, and keep on learning. And so, you know, as parents, you might be thinking, does this mean we can't praise our, our children enthusiastically when they do something great? She, she says, not at all. It just means, just listen, just, it just means we need to keep away from a certain kind of praise. And so, Ruthie, what she's saying is, here is stay away from praise that judges your or other people's innate talent and abilities. So here's some ideas she gives, Ruthie. Um, I'll, I'll let you go through these. What, what should we praise? If we're not going to praise innate talent or abilities, what should we praise? Praise the effort that goes into an accomplishment. What else? Ask questions about their success and get them to reflect on what led them to their accomplishment. That's great. Praise practice, praise persistence, praise good strategies and trying new things. Ask about their work in a way that recognizes and shows interest in their efforts and choices. So those are those are great ideas. And then she gives some examples in her book on what that would look like in real life. So here, here are a couple examples Ruthie and I will go through. You really studied for your test and your improvement shows it. You read the material over several times. You outlined it and you tested yourself on it. It really worked. Here's another one. I like the way you tried all kinds of strategies on that math problem until you got it. You thought of a lot of different ways to do it and found one that worked. I like that you took on that challenging project for your science class. It will take a lot of work doing the research, designing the apparatus, buying the parts and building it. Boy, you're going to learn a lot of great things. That homework was so long and involved. I really admire the way you concentrated and finished it. That picture has so many beautiful colors. Tell me about them. So some great suggestions there from, from Dr. Dweck on what we can do. But what she says is praise should deal not with the child's person, personality attributes or physical traits, but with his efforts, strategies, and growth. And this not only applies to what we say to our children, but what they hear us saying in regular conversations about others. So but avoid saying things like she's a natural or he's a loser or he's a genius. Or think about how we talk about our heroes or about the best players on our favorite teams or a great artist or musician that we might hear. And then there's one last thing about praise from Carol Dweck. This is pretty interesting. So Ruthie, listen to this. When we say to our children, wow, you did that so quickly, or look, you didn't make any mistakes. What message are we sending? And what we're telling them is that we prize speed and perfection. And Dr. Dweck says speed and perfection are the enemy of difficult learning. Just think about it. Anytime we've learned anything that's challenging uh, and difficult to learn, it's not going to happen fast and we're not going to be perfect the first time. So let's just really think about that. And should we, and she says, should we deny them praise they have earned? She says, yes. <laughs> yes, we should deny when it's, so she, when it's too easy. And Carol recommends something like, like this. Whoops, I guess that was too easy. I apologize. Let's do something you can really learn from. And so be careful not to praise speed and perfection 
but you know, put appropriate level challenge in front of our children. So the next thing she talks about is how do you make a child feel secure before they're maybe going to take a test or be in a performance? Maybe the SATs, maybe going uh, a big test at school, going on stage for a play, or maybe they've got a ballet recital. She says the same principles apply. So here's what not to say. She says, not to say something like this. Look, you know how smart you are, and we know how smart you are. You've got this nailed. Now stop worrying, right? Don't focus on the innate talent because that may even up the stakes. That may be put more pressure on your son or daughter. So she she recommends something like this. Ruthie, you want to read right here? Doc, oh, wait, what do I read? Right here. It must be difficult to feel that everyone is evaluating you and you can't show what you know. We want you to know that we are not evaluating you. We care about your learning, and we know that you've worked hard and learned the material. We are proud that you stuck to it and kept learning. That's right. And so she talks a lot about focus on the process, the learning, not the results of of winning and losing. And so some great recommendations from Dr. Dweck on, on what to do and what not to do. And then she talks, and I think this is just a really good story, Ruthie, for us to go through on how do you deal with failure when your children fail? And again, we've had some recent experience with this on your tryouts for tennis. And I I think um, a a really good example that we might, you know, highlight again right here, but she gives this example in a book. So suppose your nine-year-old daughter's in her first gymnastics meet, she's lanky, flexible, and energetic, and she loves, just loves gymnastics. So she's nervous about competing, uh, but she's good and felt confident, right? And this is her first meet. So she'd even thought about the perfect place in her room <laughs> to hang her ribbon, right? Just like every kid, they, they dream of winning and that's positive. We want them to dream of success and doing well, but, and she, she goes to the, to the meet, her first meet, she's do, does well in all, all the events, but not well enough to win by the end of the meet. She had received no ribbons and was devastated. So what would you do if you were her parents? And so we'll go through five options that Dr. Dweck gives. So number one, you could tell her you thought she was the best. Number two, you could tell her she was robbed of a ribbon that was rightfully hers. Number three, reassure her that gymnastics is just not all that important. Number four, tell her she has all the ability and will surely win next time. Or number five, tell her she didn't deserve to win. So Ruthie, what are your thoughts on, on those five options? Any that jump out to you that you say, hey, that's the one I think you, you know a parent should give to their children? Number four. Yeah. Tell her that she has the ability and will surely win next time. Well, let's go through each of them. I will tell you the short answer. The answer is number five, and she, which is tell her she didn't deserve to win. At least that's what Miss Dr. Dweck, she says not to say it that way. We'll talk about how you should deliver that message, but let's talk about the other answers and what challenges those have or what message the children might hear. So if, if I tell you, Ruthie, that that I thought you were the best. The result of that is essentially that's insincere, right? You, 
you know, you weren't the best. You saw the other kids that were in the gymnastics meet. So you know it and I know it. And that offers no recipe for how to recover and, and improve and will lead to long-term uh, disappointment. So number two, tell her she was robbed of a ri ribbon that was rightfully hers. The result of that is it places blame on others. And none of us want our kids to blame others uh, when they, you know, when they fail. You want us, we all want our kids to take responsibility and learn from it and get better. So it's really not quite what we want, the message we want to be sending there. So reassure her that gymnastics is all that, not that important. Well, there we're de devaluing something um, if you don't do well in it right away. And that's certainly not what we want. And, and it may be very important to her. So we don't want to devalue it. And if you don't do well right off the bat, uh, just give up. That's, that's certainly not the message we want to send. And then she warns, number four, Ruthie, what you, you picked. And quite honestly, it's what, what uh, your mom, when we were going through this, what she said as well. Tell her she has the ability and will surely win next time. And th this is where Dr. Dweck says, this one is very dangerous. Because again, what are they, you focusing on? When you tell her she has all the ability, you're focusing on her innate talents. And does ability automatically take you where you want to go? We've just learned it does not. We want to focus on growth and getting better. And number five, tell her she doesn't, didn't deserve to win. And Dr. Dweck says here, we'll talk more about number five, which is what she recommends, but she says, that's not the way you want to say it, obviously. And we'll talk about how we want to phrase that message. But she says, there's a strong message in our society that is to protect our children from failure. And this may help in the short run, but hurt in the long run. And so it's not always good to protect our children from failure. Failure is a good thing in many cases. So for number five, there's a better way to deliver that message. And it might sound something like this. I know how you feel. It's so disappointing to have your hopes up and to perform your best and not to win. But you know, you haven't really earned it yet. There are many girls there who have been in gymnastics longer, who've worked a lot harder than you. If this is something you really want, then it's something you're really going to have to work for. And then she continues. And if it's, look, if this is something gymnastics you just want to do for fun, that's fine too. But if you want to excel in the competitions, more is required. And I think that's just a great lesson, Ruthie, right? If you want to win, if you want to do these things there, and it focuses, not only does it say, hey, here's what happened. I understand. I'm sympathetic to your loss, but it creates a roadmap for how to improve and succeed in the future. And so I, I think, and don't want to pry too much with you, but you had where you recently tried out for the tennis team and you go to your first day of tryouts and you lost your first three matches. How, do, how did that feel when you lost those first three matches? Not good. <laughs> no, it didn't feel good. And, but, but I'll, I always remember, I asked you how you played. Do you remember how you told me how you played and what, and I, and I asked, I always try to ask two things. How did you play? And, and did you give all your effort? What do you remember what you said? I said, I played good. I just didn't win. That's right. And you did, you played well, you put all your effort in and the girls were just better that you played. And so what I loved and, and just to give you, um, <laughs> some, some real accolades here, you know, when we got back, you did. You lost all three matches. Those girls did play better. You worked hard. And that night, Ruthie comes home and says, after dinner, 
Hey dad, let's go hit some more balls. I want to practice. And that's the kind of thing as a parent, you just love to see. And so look, she didn't deserve to win. Those girls are better players than her, but she worked hard and she learned from that what it's going to take to win, to, to beat the best players. So uh, the lesson that, that Dr. Dweck highlights here, tell our kids the truth in a kind and loving way, right? And teach them to learn from their failures and what it t- takes to succeed in the future. We can sympathize with their disappointment. Certainly we do. We want to do that. We love them. But don't give a phony boost that will only lead to further disappointment. And withhold constructive criticism that does not help their confidence, right? And she says a lot of constructive cr- criticism, right? Or, so hold on, hold on. Let me go back because I misread that. So withholding constructive criticism doesn't help the children's confidence. It harms their future. So we do want to give constructive criticism, but too much constructive criticism can be judgmental. So there's a fine line there as parents. We need to be careful on, on how we give that. And there's always a right time to do it in the heat of the moment. Probably is not right when they walk off the court from tennis or right when they, they do it. They probably don't want to hear it. And there's a right time to have that conversation. But we're talking about constructive by helping our children find to fix something and build a better product or do a better job. And as parents, we need to be careful not to make our kids think we're judging them. We are not here to judge them. We're here to be encouraging good habits and helping them learn. So I think a couple of great real life examples, Ruthie, from Dr. Dweck there. Um, in, In this section, I personally learned a tremendous amount because I found I was saying the wrong things to you and your sisters and, and quite frankly, coworkers and others that may have inadvertently been putting people in the fixed mindset. I was saying things like you're talented or you're such a great tennis player. You have, you know, you're so smart. I can't tell you how many times I know. And even now I catch myself saying those things. So if you hear me, Ruthie, (laughs) tell me, tell me when I'm saying those so you can catch me and, and help me get better. So Ruthie, what, let, let's wrap up uh, part three here. What did we learn today? The words we use matter. They do matter. And what do, what's the next thing here? Not all positive feedback is the same. That's right. Some positive feedback can put you in the fixed mindset. Inadvertently, some can put you in a growth mindset. So what, what should we be praising, Ruthie? Effort, strategy, and progress, not innate talent. Great. And finally? Create a growth mindset environment by eliminating judgment. Focus on growth and learning, not on results or winning and losing. I I think that's a great place and way to finish. If we're focused not on the winning and losing, not on being the, the best, but on the process of doing well, of continually learning, and a process that focuses on effort and growth, uh, there, there's a lot to be gained there. Well, Ruthie, any wrapping, any thoughts before we wrap up today? No. Well, listen, I hope you all got as much out of this as I did. Thank you for joining. And next week we'll be wrapping up, uh, the book mindset by Carol Dweck in part four.